Another week of the Tyson pre-show. I'm so excited that you decided to join in this week. If you are just jumping in, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to the last couple of weeks. We are actually in a series that I'll talk about here in just a minute. But before we get started, I want to remind you that your diet is not only what you eat. It is what you watch what you listen to, what you read, and the people you associate with. Pay attention to what you feed your soul, not just your stomach. That's right. In life, we have to make decisions. We have to go through transitions. We sometimes need coaches and people to walk alongside us. And so for that reason, this podcast exists. I want to thank you for making me your foxhole buddy. If you don't know what a foxhole buddy is, then go back and listen to the podcast titled, Who is Your Foxhole Buddy? It's important you know who is in the trenches fighting for you and with you when life gets difficult. We have to know who these people are. In that episode, I talk about the three C's of trust and how trust can be built through those three C's. But more importantly, thank you for allowing me to be in your foxhole because you know life is a fight and you're okay with that because we've learned in this podcast that entropy and fighting are a positive thing in life because it makes us stronger, better, more knowledgeable, more agile, and we get better because of it. So in today's episode, we're going to tackle the second question that we are to ask when we are in transition. Now, there are three things that typically move us to a transitional point in our life. Number one, there's a level of discontent. I call it a holy discontent when you're talking about areas of uh, church, church planting, etc. But if you're not involved in the church or church planting world, then you likely have reached some level of discontent. The second thing that causes us to transition is we realize that our ability and our talent and our passions likely fill a hole somewhere in the world around us. Number three, you see the distinction between what you do and what everybody else does. There are thousands upon thousands of podcasts, but nobody podcasts like I do. That's not a prideful statement. That's a truth statement. And if you were to launch out on podcasts, no one would podcast like you because every human being is unique. So everything that you do, even though someone else is doing it, you're going to do it differently with your own flair, with your own ability, with your own passions, etc. So those are the things that tend to move us to or into a moment of transition. Then something happens when we get into the transition. There are four questions that we need to ask ourselves when we get into the transition. These four questions are actually found in the story of Jonah in Jonah chapter 1 verse 8. As the storms are raging... They're trying to find someone to blame for the storms. They're not quite sure what's going on. The Bible says that they went down into the, to the belly of the ship and they found Jonah asleep. 
Now, all of these guys are like screaming and, and they're trying to figure out what to do because the storm is so bad on the Mediterranean, they're afraid they're going to lose their life. And here's this one guy in the belly of the ship sleeping through the whole thing. And so they wake him. And this is what they say to him in Jonah chapter one, verse eight. So they ask him, tell us who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? And from what people are you? Four questions that are key in transitional, pivotal moments. Here are those four questions paraphrased in my own words. Question number one, how did we get here? And I answered that in last week's podcast. The second question that they asked Jonah that we will address today. What is your occupation or for us, what is my talent, passion, and ability? The third question they ask, what is your direction? And then fourthly, what has formed and shaped you? These are all key questions that we have to ask as we are in a moment of transition, as we're pivoting and moving, changing direction. And today, we're going to specifically focus on what is my talent, passion, and ability. If you're wanting to launch out and start your own company, if you're wanting to start a new hobby, maybe make new connections, we have to do some self-awareness, kind of looking at ourselves internally to realize who am I, what's my ability, passion, and talent. But before we get into that, I want to share a very interesting story with you. One by the name of, and maybe you've heard of his name, Harry Houdini. Now, I want you to think about this well-known magician who lived from March 24th, 1874 to October 31st, 1926. So he died almost a hundred years ago, and yet the world of magicians and the world of magic still look to this guy as kind of the pinnacle, the prime, the, the guy who launched magic almost to a whole nother level, right? Harry Houdini was actually born in Hungary and his family were falling on hard times in Hungary. The outlook for Jews in Eastern Europe was getting bleak. And so his family said, we know what we can do. We can be immigrants to the United States. We can move from Hungary to the United States, the land of opportunity, the land of promise. Now, his dad was a Jewish rabbi, and he helped run a synagogue in Hungary, and they immigrated to the United States, and his father began to do what he did as a rabbi, right? Now, you should probably know that Houdini is not really his last name, and we will get into this in a little bit more detail here in a couple of minutes. Um, but his father took on a role as a Jewish rabbi at a Jewish synagogue. And as he began to be the rabbi at that synagogue, they decided they no longer wanted him as their rabbi. And so they gave him the boot and his family, his family moves. Now, 
his dad his dad only spoke Hungarian, German, and Yiddish. So that's kind of a problem when you're in the United States in the 1800s and trying to find a job. It's a serious drawback. So in 1882, in December of 1882, Houdini was about, he was eight years old, and he moved to a much larger city. They moved to Milwaukee, hoping for better opportunities, right? But when your father is in an English-speaking country, and he doesn't speak English, well, let's just say it's hard to earn an income. And so the family begins to fall on hard times in Milwaukee. It's tragic, right? And so Houdini and his siblings have to get jobs. And so what did he do? Well, he began to sell newspapers, uh, shining shoes, running errands, doing whatever he could to help earn his family money. But Houdini had... Houdini had a real, let me back up for a minute. I did say that Houdini was not his real last name. The real last name is Weiss, W-E-I-S-S. And so the Weiss family moved and he begins to take on all sorts of different jobs, right? Um, In fact, his real name is not Harry Houdini. It's Eric Weiss, or Eric Weiss, we would say. So Eric Weiss is his real name, becomes known as Houdini. So he's taking all all of these different jobs and doing all of these things, but he happens to have a hobby. He happens to have a passion and a love for something. He has a love for reading books. So he loved the library. And in his spare time, when he could, he would go to the library. Now, what kind of books did he like specifically? Well, he liked books regarding magic tricks, contortion, etc. So at age nine, at age nine, at age eight, he begins to get jobs just doing whatever he can to earn money. Sound familiar? We kind of get out. We just do whatever we can to earn money. But he has this hobby on the side that he really, really enjoys. And after reading some books at age nine, he establishes a five-cent circus. And he would wear uh, red wool and red wool stockings. And he would uh, call himself Eric Prince of the Air. Um, and then this led to that hobby of reading and, and understanding magic and, and contortionists, it, it led to, as he began to read these books and practice these things, he took on a job as a locksmith. You probably see where this is going, right? Well, things weren't working out so well with his family, so they moved to New York. And his father is tutoring people, not, uh, not as a rabbi in a synagogue, but he's tutoring people in Hebrew And Houdini then begins to find a job in New York cutting strips of fabric for neckties. And he's busting his tail. He's working hard. And then somewhere around the age of 15, obviously some years have passed. Now, around the age of 15, Eric Weiss discovers a book that he found, Memoirs of Robert Houdin. 
Uh, he was an ambassador, an author, uh, and so on. And he wrote this book about himself, The Memoirs of Robert Houdin. And Eric Weiss literally stayed up all night reading this book. In fact, he said this book sparked an enthusiasm and a passion for magic in his life. And as is a French custom, when you really respect someone and you're looking for a, like, obviously Eric Weiss is looking for a stage name. And this author and magician who wrote this book, his last name's Houdin, as it was a French custom at the time, you take on their name, but to indicate respect, you add an I to the end of the name. And so Eric Weiss would become Harry Houdini. And so he added an I to the end of Houdin, Houdini. And that sparked his passion for magic. And now think about this. He's studying reading magic. He, he loves to read books. And so, and he kind of enjoys magic. And so he begins to take that on and he gets a job as a locksmith, understanding locks, knowing locks. Now, one was a job simply to earn an income and to keep his family growing. And so he also begins to learn about materials, cutting materials uh, for neckties and understands the dynamics in which materials are put together and how they're formed. He's learning that. He's also learning how to pick locks. He's reading books about magic. And it's just kind of a hobby until he begins to um, start doing these as shows on the side. So he's doing like card tricks, coin swaps, disappearing acts. Uh, specifically, he started disappearing acts in Huber's Museum in New York City. Uh, also at Coney Island, he did some disappearing acts as well. And then something happened. In 1893, the Houdini brothers, so he had, a, he had a brother that was helping him out. They were allowed to perform at the World Fair in Chicago. And at this point, people begin to take notice. They begin to see Harry Houdini as what he would eventually become. Now, he fell on some hard times as well, and, and he became a circus act after that, after the, the World Fair. But the word about Houdini began to spread. And he began to join vaudeville shows. He began to go around to different cities. And he really began to break out, if you will. And if you think about how things kind of lined up, what started off as a hobby and as an interest grew into a passion to where Houdini eventually got to the point where he was such a big name we're still talking about him nearly 100 years after his death. In fact, when you say someone's a Houdini, you mean, man, they're just an escape artist. They can just disappear. They can get out of a situation. 
right? It's a his name now is a compliment, or or I should say, the name he adopted is a compliment. Well, think about that. What passion? What talent? What abilities do you have that you just enjoy, but you don't really you don't really make money at them. You don't really make any, they don't really provide. They're just, they're just hobbies. Instead, you go to a nine to five that you don't really enjoy. Think about that. Here's Houdini doing what he can do to support his family. And I get it. Sometimes we have to do what we have to do to support our families. Don't get me wrong. But God has designed each of us in a moment of transition to ask ourselves, what is my talent, passion, and ability? What do I have in these moments of transition? What do I bring to the table? That's the question all of us should be asking when we're in a moment of transition or we find ourselves in, <laughs> in group projects. I remember in grad school, we did a lot of group projects as I was working on my MBA. And my question was always, okay, I've transitioned from individual work to group work, and I'm looking at group dynamics. And with the group dynamics in this room, what specifically do I, Tyson Priest, bring to the table? That's the thing that we have to ask ourselves in this transition. Houdini began to realize that his passion and his talent and that his, his knowledge and his ability to serve people by performing magic tricks, could earn him an income. His knowledge, his talent, and his ability to serve began to earn him an income. Now, it took a while, right? It took a while, but it began to happen. It began to take off. That is so big. As we sit back and we think about what talents, passions, abilities do I have that can serve someone else. I want you to picture with me just for a moment. I'm going to share a little secret with you that I use when I coach people. If you think of a Venn diagram, you think of typically a Venn diagram has three circles and they enter and they cross in the center. I want you to think of four circles, okay? In your mind, imagine with me just for a moment, four circles. The circle on top, circle on the bottom, and then one on the left and right. And all four circles come together and overlap. But there's a center place where all four circles come together, the dead center, right? So let's, let's go through these circles for a moment. Because if you're thinking about making a transition, you have to do some introspective work. In any type of transition, I know I might be ta talking more about maybe looking for a different job or transitioning, but as I talk through this Venn diagram with the four circles, I think you're going to see that it's applicable in any circumstance. So the top circle is your ability to serve. Your ability to serve comes with your time, your energy, etc. right? So how can you serve with your talent and with your ability? That's the top one. And then directly opposite to the bottom is your ability to earn an income. And what kind of income can you earn serving other people? 
Okay. To the left is your knowledge. When I think about Houdini reading all of those books and gaining that knowledge, because just because he was interested in it, right? And so he gains the knowledge. And then the circle to the right is your talent, your natural talent. In other words, you have four circles. The one on top is to serve. The one on the bottom is the ability to earn an income. The one on the left is your knowledge. And the one to the right is your talent. So what happens when I have the ability to serve and I just have knowledge, right? I'm not earning an income at it. I don't necessarily have a talent, but I can go serve. Like, let's say uh, a soup kitchen for the homeless, right? You're working at a homeless shelter. Well, you have the ability to serve and you have the knowledge of, I must stick the ladle down in the, into the vat of soup, lift it out, dump it in a bowl, smile, encourage, right? You have the knowledge of how to do that and you can serve. We have a word for that. That's called volunteer. But we all know that you can't volunteer and keep a roof over your head. Well, you can, but odds are you're not going to, right? So when you're serving and you have knowledge, you're volunteering. What happens if we go to the other side where we're serving and we have talent, right? We have the talent to do it and we're serving at it. You know what happens when that begins to happen? At first it might be fun, but over time you get bored. I can serve and I have the talent, but I get bored with this, right? I just get bored. Now, as we work our way around this clockwise and we go down to the bottom right, what happens if I have the talent and I am talented enough to earn an income? Well, you have a, basically, you have a job. But what happens when you don't have a passion or a purpose behind that? In other words, you don't have the ability to serve. You don't really have much knowledge. You just have the talent. You know you can do it. You have the ability and you're earning an income at it. Over time, you you get burned out. This is why so many people burn out on their jobs. They have the talent to manage projects and they're good at it and they can earn an income, but they burn out at it. This is why teachers burn out. They have a talent and they can earn an income. But by the time you add on all of the paperwork and the parents and the school administration and the state laws and the federal laws, the t burnout, burnout. I have the talent and I can earn an income with that talent, but I don't really have a passion for the knowledge and I really don't have a passion to serve. Although I hope most teachers do have a passion to serve and that's why you're doing it, right? But eventually, the talent and the income combined, if that's all you're in it for, will create burnout. If we move clockwise around to the bottom left and we just have an income and knowledge, right? I just have knowledge and all I do is spew knowledge, but I'm able to earn an income at it. Eventually, I get frustrated. Why? Well, because I'm putting out really good knowledge and people aren't taking advantage of it. I'm making an income at it, but nobody's moving in any direction. They're just absorbing the knowledge like sponges and sitting there. It's called frustration. This is the, this is the life of people like counselors and pastors um, and therapists and so on. Because they have the knowledge. They've acquired this knowledge. They're, they want to serve people, but the people, and they, you get paid for it, but the people don't do anything with the knowledge. They just sit there. And so it just gets frustrating. And so you quit. So knowledge and income create frustration, 
talent and income create burnout. And of course, now we've completed the circle, so to speak, in the upper left corner where knowledge and serving is just simply volunteering. What we have to find is that sweet spot where you can serve others and make a difference in their lives. You have the knowledge. You have the talent. And you can earn an income at it. When you find the place where all four of those connect, hello, you have found the place where you're going to thrive. You've likely found the place where God has wired you to be an impact. And that's why so many people go out and work for the man. I'm doing air quotes, by the way, since you can't see me. You work for the man, and eventually you either burn out, you get frustrated, maybe you get bored. I know you're not volunteering because you're working for the man, so you're getting a paycheck. But typically, that's why one of those other three things happen, whether it's frustration, burnout, or you just get bored, right? And so there has to be a place here where the way our creator has designed you, you can serve others and make a difference in their life and earn an income with your knowledge and your talent. Now, think about this for a minute. When I talk specifically about knowledge, like Houdini, knowledge is acquired, right? You've acquired it somewhere. You didn't just get born and suddenly walk out with this knowledge, right? You weren't carried out of the hospital with this knowledge. You had to acquire it somehow. And the reason that you acquired it, especially if it's on your own time and your own dime, it's likely you're acquiring that knowledge because you have a passion about it. You're interested in it. There's some level of interest. Now, if you don't have a strong passion about it, you'll inquire for a little bit and then you'll step away. So knowledge itself is acquired. If I think about going around that Venn diagram, that next circle that actually sits on top, the ability to serve, this is action, right? And on the show, we talk about defending the heart Right, King Solomon tells us in Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Right? Well, what is our heart? The heart is the intersection of your intellect, emotions, and your physical act. And so serving is a physical act. And likely you serve because you've been moved emotionally, maybe moved intellectually. And so you serve. And so knowledge is acquired. Serving is a physical act. Talent can be developed. Talent can be developed. And I'm going to share an interesting story with you once I've gone through these four things. And I think you'll see how all four of these work together. But if I have it, I might have a talent. I might have been naturally born with a talent, right? I do believe that some talents you're just born, you can be born with or inclined to, but you still have to develop it to be good at it, right? And then earning an income is really about thinking, right? How much money is this worth? How much is this work worth to someone else? Uh, am I getting paid for my knowledge or am I getting paid by the hour, 
right? That's all thought process. And then how do I manage that money when it comes in? Do I reinvest it in my own personal development so I can go out and earn more money? Do I invest it? What do I do with that money? Or do I just go spend it on things to make myself feel good? I think you probably know where I stand on that one. So knowledge is acquired. Serving is a physical act. Talent is developed. And then the income piece is a thinking portion. You see that this is now involving your heart. Your purpose and your design is now involving your heart. So we got to find the sweet spot where we can serve, where our talent is, where we have knowledge and understanding, and then we can earn an income from that. So let's, let me just give you an example in my own personal life. So I've always, knives have just kind of always been fast. I've just always been fascinated by them. I, I, I really don't know why. I have no explanation for this. And you can ask my wife. Like when we go someplace, like if we go to Gatlinburg or we go some touristy place where there's a lot of shops, right? Inevitably, I always wander and drift into a knife store. And I always thought, man, that'd be really cool to be able to do that. And then I start watching this show that's on the History Channel, Forged in Fire. I start watching this. Now, keep in mind, I've never really had any craft skills. I've never had really any craft talent. I, I, I don't have that um, for multiple reasons, but we don't need to go there. <laughs> and I'm sitting there on vacation one day, and I say something to my wife. I say, honey, we were watching Forged in Fire. I say, honey, that'd be really interesting I should give that a try. And she does what every good wife does when her husband says something ridiculous. She laughed and she didn't just laugh. Like she literally LOL'd. She laughed out loud. Now, I am not the person to laugh at. Do not laugh at me because you fire and stoke up the engine on the inside of me. I remember when I was trying to get out of bed early in the morning to get up and go work out and go to the gym, etc. My wife knows me and every good wife knows her husband. And she knew this about me. And so every night when we go to bed, she's like, you're not getting up in the morning. You can't get up in the morning. You don't have the ability. You don't have the discipline. Guess who got up early in the morning? Guess who wakes up at four o'clock every morning and goes to the gym to work out and come home and have quiet time um, and journal and so on. I do. Why? Because my wife knows me. She knows that if she would have patted me on the back and said, oh, honey, you can do it. You can, you can accomplish this. I've been like, yeah, I know I can. And I wouldn't have done it. So she laughs at me when I say, well, I want to figure that out. I want to figure out how to make, make knives and, and do whatever, like in that show, except for they make like really crazy axes and stuff. And so she laughed. I'm here to tell you that, let's see, uh, this is November. So Starting in October, I found a friend who's been making knives for years. And I asked him to teach me in his shop on his property. So what have I been doing? I've been gaining knowledge and understanding, reading websites, talking to people. I've been, I've been growing and developing this talent that I didn't know I had serving other people with it. So much so, in fact, 
that I am completely booked with knife orders until Christmas. I can't take any more knife orders to develop Christmas presents for people. Isn't that crazy? Something that I started in October learning and doing I posted a picture of it, said, hey, I'm learning this and whatever. I posted it on my socials and I said, hey, I'm learning this and whatever. And people began to approach me. Hey, can you make me one just simple, something simple like blah, 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 blah. I'm like, well, yeah, I'm just now learning. So it's going to have to be simple, right? And my knowledge is my knowledge. I'm acquiring knowledge. I'm serving others. I'm developing a talent And now the result is I'm earning an income from this. I just started in October, like early October. Here's what I want to tell you. You have the ability to do this. (laughs) Maybe not knife making. Maybe that's not your thing. Maybe magic is not your thing. Maybe quilting is your thing, right? Maybe writing is your thing. God has wired you with dreams and aspirations, But dreams not acted upon are simply pipe dreams. And listen, pipe dreams get shut down every day. Do you want to chase it and do it or don't you? I I, I want to share something with you that I I found fascinating. I began to do some research. Um, And before I give you the research, I want to share this scripture with you. In Micah chapter 4, verse 4, it talks about when as a Christian, one of the things that we believe is that Jesus is going to come back and rule the world. He's going to come back and set up his own government and control the world. And Micah chapter 4 verse 4 talks about the time in the future when Jesus rules the world. Now here's what it says. It says everyone will sit under their own, that's important, under their own vine and under their own fig tree. No one will make them afraid, for the Lord Almighty has spoken. Do you notice something about that verse? It doesn't say that they will sit under the government's vine or under the government's fig tree. It doesn't say that they will sit under their neighbor's fig tree or the community fig tree. It doesn't say that they will sit under the club's vine. No. Their own vine, their own fig tree. This is talking about personal ownership, not relying on whatever government's in place, not relying on something else out there, but that each person will be responsible for themselves. Now, why do I share that at this moment in this podcast? Because that's extremely important to think about because it's talking about you producing what you have the ability to produce. Now, why is that important? I mean, that, that's the government under Jesus when he comes back. As a Christian, that's what you, that's what you believe. That's, that, that's scriptural, right? Well, according to the Center, of Human Capital Innov- hum- the Center for Human Capital Innovation, of the current workforce in the United States are freelance workers, meaning they are self-employed, they might be contractors, um, consultants, they might be farmers, uh, they might be own their own antique shop, 
But think about this. 35% of the U.S. workforce (laughs) are freelancers. They are self-employed. These 35% contribute over $1 trillion to the U.S. economy. And this number is expected to rise above 50% within the next 15 years. Let that sink in. What does that mean for the U.S. economy? When over 50% of a country's citizenship refuses to work for the man and begin to work for themselves. Think about the shifts in dynamics. Think about what that means, that people rising up and saying, no, I have this gift, talent, and ability. And for the first time in U.S. history, in about 15 years, over half the population will work for themselves. That's a big shift coming to our economic system. So what's that look like for you to step out into your own business, your own ability? Now, when I say own, remember, Nobody is a self-made man. Nobody is a self-made woman. Okay? The people that say that are lying, and I wouldn't trust them any further than I could throw them. Everybody needs people around them to help help them accomplish what they want to accomplish. That's why I put this show out. That's why I coach people. That's why I want to be your foxhole buddy, get in that foxhole with you, challenge you, provide you the ammo to fire back and to and to, and to fight back so that you can win the day, so that you can conquer the day. But when you're in a moment of transition and things are pivoting in your life, one of the things you have to do is the second question they ask Jonah. What is your talent, passion, and ability? What are you good at? Because that is likely a means of income. That is likely the way our creator has wired you. And so I want to encourage you that if you're looking for a coach, if you're looking for somebody to get in the foxhole with you, figure things out, I know I can powerfully serve you in that. I know that I can step into your life, ask you the tough questions that your friends aren't going to ask. They're just going to smile and nod. I can ask you the tough questions, connect you to the right people, and get you moving in a direction where you are now enjoying what you do to earn an income, which makes it a whole lot different and less anxiety and less stress and less pressure in some ways when you're now just hanging out with your family because you're doing something you enjoy, right? You are wired by God and that wiring makes you unique. Here's what I want to tell you. I'm here for you. Reach out to me, Tyson at TysonPriest.com. Let me help you help yourself. You can also go to TysonPriest.com. You can click on the 30-Day Ferocious Faith Challenge. This 30-Day Ferocious Faith Challenge will help you clear your head so you can begin to step into what God has designed you to do. When you sign up for the 30-Day Ferocious Faith Challenge, you're going to get access to the Ferocious Faith Facebook group. You're going to get a weekly motivational 
and value added email that will add value to your life and motivate you to do the things you didn't think was possible. You're going to get a 30 day ferocious faith challenge checklist that you can keep track of you accomplishing what I call the core four. And if you want to know what the core four is, then sign up and be a part of the ferocious faith community. In addition, if you want, once you've signed up, I will provide you with a complimentary one-on-one coaching session to dive into much of what we've talked about today and help you look internally at your knowledge, your talents, how you like to serve, and the ways you can earn, even if it's a side income, and it's just something you enjoy, we can help you earn that side income and do that together. I want to thank you today for listening. I would encourage you to go out there, make the most of it, face your mountain, own it, out. Mm -hmm.